0: All right, we are back with another episode of the Saxo Market Call it's uh it's Wednesday the 3rd of January 2024 and it's the first podcast episode of the new year and uh I have I have a new I have a new guest or a colleague a very good colleague of mine uh son uh, welcome to the studio
1: thank you so much for so, for having me
0: yeah and uh you're uh, you're part of our team and um you you do a lot of different things in 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 our team uh, we won't uh the listeners with these details but you are pretty well uh equipped to talk about financial markets you follow them and um and you know last couple of podcast uh, episodes i've done on equities um i haven't had a partner with me so today that's different and then we're going to talk a little bit about what we are observing in the markets both in the first couple of trading sessions but also maybe some of the thoughts and some of the things that uh, everyone should be looking out for this year
1: yeah, and uh, obviously, I'm going to be here, but uh, all of the good points are probably going to come from you, Peter. Uh, but as you said, we're going to talk about the first trading days, and we're going to look a little bit about uh, into the regions uh, across the globe. We're also going to talk a little bit about recession, and we're going to have that. And then we're going to look at some of our own uh, themes that kind of matter and has mattered uh, these first few days. But I think we'll start somewhere else first, and we'll start in the electrical vehicle space, because something interesting has happened uh, when you look at uh, the Chinese bit and uh, American Tesla, uh, could you please just elaborate on on what is it that's been going on?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, BYD, as it's called, um, you called it bit. Um, it's actually an acronym for Build Your Dreams, and I think actually a dream has come true here for the founder of BYD. It's a Chinese-based company that started with very humbling beginnings. Um, assembling very simple uh, mechanical things and and he's i think the the founder was actually a chemical engineer and now BYD is uh, is the market leader in battery electric vehicles i don't know how it's a big thing because we've used to talk about tesla and elon musk being the leader now we have a new leader i think the trajectory was quite clear it became obvious throughout 2023 that the the the, the chinese based BYD had you know been able to scale production at an extraordinary pace. And if you look at the fourth quarter of 2023, they delivered four uh, at B uh, battery electric vehicles and Tesla was at around 484, 500. So um yeah and, and and so those two are almost uh, they are a million together. Um I track the 15 largest EV makers in the in the world and uh, with the current trajectory I think actually we—it's uh, almost safe to say, unless we get a recession—that will be will those fifteen uh, car makers will deliver ten million battery electric vehicles next uh, this year. Sorry.
1: And that is of course one of the things that's going to be very interesting in the next year to follow. If we uh, just jump straight into the regions and jump to the U.S., where obviously Tesla is part of. Uh, we also have uh, pretty big expectations when looking at the earnings growth over the next 12 months in the S and P 500. Uh, it stands at 7.8 percent right now. Is that even realistic? Obviously, some of the, one of the things you, you spoke about late in 23 was. Uh, the risk of concentration especially in the S&P 500 how do you see that risk and, and, and generally the index and the US uh, broader uh, developing uh, recently
0: yeah so the a lot of the, the the great performance last year in the S&P 500 was driven by the magne- magnificent 7 so very high uh, market concentration the highest I think we've had in the US equity market in 100 years uh, it's driven by this AI uh, hobering, very high expectations and if we look at the earnings you, you're right It um, you know almost 8% earnings growth. So, we need to think a little bit about where we're coming from. So, if we look at the earnings growth over the past year, it's been almost flat in the S&P 500. So, the performance last year is built on expectations for something to come. And that's also the reason why if these software companies and healthcare companies in the US, I think the technology and, so- and technology and healthcare is now more than 50% of the index. If they cannot deliver on these earnings expectations, we will get a setback in the S&P 500. I think with the current uh, data we have on our hands, I think the 8% is achievable because wage and inflationary pressures generally are coming down in the economy and companies are able to exp- you know hike their prices. That's what we're seeing across the board, across streaming services, Apple, etc. So I think there's pricing power out there from the corporates and the lower energy prices are actually expanding the disposable incomes of households. And I think that combination will help corporates to deliver on the earnings, uh, earnings growth expectations.
1: One thing that is to note there is that uh, 2023 was really the year of AI, or if you're a bit less optimistic, AI hype. Yeah. How do you see that also in terms of these risks or opportunities, as you as you put them?
0: It's a good question. I mean, we're, we we're still in the first wave where the excitement and the growth is still coming from the uh, early parts of the value chain. So it's the the semiconductor equipment uh, manufacturer, so ASML. Um, it's from the chip manufacturers themselves. So uh, Samsung, it's uh, Nvidia, uh, uh, Nvidia, I think it's called, and um, and and a uh, AMD. Uh, and I think two thousand twenty-four, we we need to see a bigger deliverance on the application side. Uh, Microsoft is clearly the one that is leading the pack on the on the actual application. I think there's very strong distribution in the corporate sector, allows them to uh, really generate some growth here, but. My sense is that we'll get disappointed. I I think that the expectation has been set too high. We'll get disappointed, but we'll get rewarded so much in the long run from AI. And I think we'll be surprised about the capabilities and what it can actually achieve over the next 10 years. But I think there will be a bump on the road, and and that bump on the road could be in 2024.
1: That is at least something that's historically happening whenever we have new technology. A new tech is usually something that is coming out of the US but you mentioned ASML which is a European company. How do you view uh, broader scale? How do you view European equities and also UK uh, in in the coming year?
0: Yeah, so I you, know, you the the equity market is is a, is an interesting machine, right? Because when something has done extremely well, what typically happens is that it pushes down the expected returns going forward. That's also why value stocks often have delivered great returns despite those companies are often boring because the expectations bar is set so low that they can almost only surprise to the upside unless they go bankrupt. And you have a little bit of a similar case today with the European equity market and UK equity market. They trade at an historically discount to US equities. So the spread in expectations for what we expect for US companies versus European companies is extraordinarily high. And, and, and that's why I think that, and, and obviously everything hinges on me being right on the AI hype um, uh, being deflated somewhere somewhat in 2024. And that's why I, I like the UK and European equities more. And also, I think there is a little bit of a cushion there that if the economy slows down a little bit, not going into a recession, but slows down a little bit and the AI hype uh, deflates a little bit, and i think we could see a, a rotation into european and uk equities and you get the convexity as well from china because china is the biggest trading partner with europe and is doing ext- and is extremely weak at the moment but i think the stakes are quite high this year for the chinese leadership to kickstart the economy and as soon as they do that in a meaningful way it will have a positive spillover effect into european equities and the european economy
1: Okay, so barring that you're right about everything, which is obviously usually the case, <laughs> uh, then, uh, the, then the UK and EU may be slightly more interesting than the US, although US can also perform uh, under the right circumstances. Let's then jump from the developed world, uh, not the developed world, but the developed markets into the developing markets yeah. uh, or otherwise known as emerging markets. Yeah. How do you view that? You mentioned China and and that they kind of need to re re-kickstart or kickstart uh, their development to to really gain some uh, good performance
0: yes yeah, so China was uh in the 2023 um I think we can phrase 2023 for China as the year of false starts um they tried so many times to kickstart the economy they have all this overhang uh, in the real estate sector is impacting credit formation the consumer is not feeling well in in China um, birth the birth rate is is, uh, is coming down massively uh the the latest numbers that are, that came out yesterday suggest that um the number of births in china uh in 2023 was half of what it was in 2016. so clearly something is not well in china and i think there's a lot at stake um chinese equities is a, a is a very big chunk of the overall em uh, basket um so that's why i think increasingly China is becoming more and more difficult because of the, the government's approach to the private sector in China. So I think you need to separate and uh, the different EM markets. I think it's very difficult to buy EM as a block any longer. Um, on the flip side of the negative sentiments around China, there is a great optimism around India. India is really the talk of the town. Growth rates are looking increasingly well. The, um, the demographics and the birth rate, comp- uh, you know, contrary to China, is looking very well in, in India. Um I was looking at the Indian, uh, the Indian equity market. I mean, I think the annualized total return in dollar terms, this is important, dollar terms for a global investor was 13.5% annualized return since 2000. I think Indian equities is one of the best performing country indices in the entire world. Um, there's a lot of skeptics. I have a lot of discussions with Jacobs, Jacobson, our chief investment officer. He's a little bit more negative on, on India than I am. Um, so I think that's really... One of those stories i really be looking forward uh, to um, in in the EM market is, will India continue? What about Mexico and Vietnam? Those two countries are winning a lot of uh, manufacturing uh, market share right now uh, away from China as global companies are de-risking out of China. So that's sort of the things to 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 look out for.
1: And just to, to, to stay there just for a little bit, I know this election in India, and I think it's April, May, and uh, Modi's up after it's been sit, sitting there for 10 years uh, do do you see that as any risk or any opportunity for, for the Indian equity market as such?
0: Um, I think if there is, if there is a risk from the election, it's probably sort of a, a hangover post the election. So um, so that's um, that's something to to consider at least if you if you invest in in Indian equities or EM in general
1: and when we're talking about risks i think it's pretty clear that uh, at least when i read uh, all of your stuff that uh, one of the biggest risks of 2024 is whether we get a recession or not obviously that can also be an an opportunity but just to to put it out there do we get a recession
0: <laughs> the million dollar question um i thought we got a i thought we were going to have a recession in 2023 um i was clearly wrong i was very wrong on the Impact of the Biden administration's massive fiscal impulse into the economy. Fast forward one year, I think the question is still: Do we get a recession? I think uh, economists, if you the ones that are surveyed on the U.S. economy, have moved from a position of uh, almost 80% believing we got it, we we would get a recession within 12 months one year ago, to down now it's a 50-50 call by by economists. I would highlight three. Very timely, high-frequency indicators that are suggesting that the global economy, and especially the U.S. economy, is still quite uh, resilient. The first one is the JP Morgan's uh, GDP Nowcast series. So it's a a series that really tries to, in real time, to predict uh, GDP growth. That indicator has actually accelerated in December and right now sitting at 1.4% annualized uh, real GDP growth rate, which is not bad. It could be better, but it's not bad. Initial jobless claims is a weekly time series. Also looking uh, pretty solid. It's 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 um, bouncing around, but it's not really taking a trajectory for the worst. Um, and then the Red Book series, which is a weekly series showing the same store sales figures in the U.S. And right now that is at around four uh, percent, coming off from zero percent growth rate just um, just six months ago. So I think there, are, I think that the, the indicators are suggesting that things are, are not that bad. I mean, I think it's difficult to uh, to predict a recession incoming in the in the first half of the year. But uh, again, I know you said that I have been uh, been right many times, and maybe I have. But I have also been wrong many times. And um, and I think probably a recession this time around is one of the most difficult things to uh, to call because there's so many indicators pointing in all directions.
1: And I'm sure that's going to be uh, something that we're going to discuss uh, throughout. Uh, this year another thing we're going to discuss throughout this year is elections and if we broaden it out a little bit geopolitically we also have increased ten- uh, tensions around the globe especially in the Middle East and Eastern Europe uh, at the same time we're also looking at maybe interest rate cuts uh, on, uh, for, for the big central banks if we look at some of the themes or th- thematic investing that that we're focused on in here Given that macro political, macroeconomic perspective, what are some of the themes that you're paying most attention to?
0: Well, so the uh, the war in in, in Ukraine is um, is still playing a big role. Um, we have seen it already this year on a relative basis. The uh, the European defense companies a bit. If we get a Trump in the White House again in November, I think um, the world will look uh, very different from a geopolitical perspective because I think he was still playing it safe by having Mike Pence as the vice president uh last time he was in office um i have a sense that he's more rogue this time around i mean he will he will he will shake the boat even more and i think if it happens and i think the market increasingly because of that convexity there is baked into it will will bet increasingly more and more on european defense companies because if trump gets into office you'll see europe change dramatically, probably for for a long time. It will mean that Germany and France will have to, together with the UK, really step up and, and deliver massively on on military aid, and they have to accelerate a lot of things. So that is in focus. Semiconductors, because of what we talked about with AI, I still like commodities, and it's very much increasingly becoming an India story, um, urbanization of India. And then cybersecurity, which is a spin-off of defense, and then I think healthcare is, is, a, is an attractive uh, hedge against uh, recession fears, and they have a lot of pricing power uh, on if inflation should also come back. So that's one to consider. And then the final a final th- a theme, CERN, is what we have seen here in Europe. It seems like a lot of investors want to, they want to buy utilities and telecommunication because they, they act a little bit like bonds, but leveraged bonds in the equity space. So when you have, you know, Interest rates going down and expectations going down on, on bond yields, um, it really lifts the value of these uh, very, very super stable cash flow driven companies.
1: I think that was more or less uh, everything we prepared for today. Could you just maybe just do a really quick wrap up of what what it is that we should pay attention to and what the overall uh, gut feeling for you from you is uh, now?
0: Yeah, so uh, you know, wh- I think watch the electric vehicle space. I think this year could be another very very interesting year uh, that will potentially impact even more the uh, the oil market uh, I'll be writing much more about it we should watch out for uh, for a recession um, I, I, I think that's um, I think that's is, is, is super important um, also watch the difference between the developed and the EM equity markets um, separate China out of the equation look for India if you're interested in, in the growth and then of course pay attention to these indicators I mentioned on recession because at the end of the day it is the recession risk that really impacts equities uh, in a bad way if we get a recession so that is the ultimate thing to to look out for but um i think that's it and uh, you and i will have an uh, even more conversations in the future about equities
1: definitely thank you so much for having me peter it was a pleasure being in the studio with you
0: thank you son